Drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. Yes, today is Friday, August 4th, 2023. It is the Feast of St. Dominic de Guzman. Yes, one of my favorite saints. I call him Holy Father Dominic. A great and beautiful man. It is said that he had the very visage of our Lord. When you looked upon the face of St. Dominic, that you saw the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was born around 1170 in Caralorga, Spain, to noble parents Felix and Joan of Aza, which actually his mother is, in fact, a blessed, blessed Joan, or blessed Jane, and it kind of depends on your translation. He came from a family of saints, with his brother Antonio and Manes also exhibiting extraordinary sanctity. Um, one of, there are his older brothers, by the way, both of which became his inferiors in the order, which is pretty amazing. Dominic received his education at the University of Palencia, where he excelled as a student and demonstrated very much seriousness and austerity amid the worldly environments. In 1203, Dominic and his companions were sent by the Bishop of Osma on a diplomatic mission, during which he encountered the Albigensian heresies, and he fought against them as a canon. Now, the pre-monasterians, which are the Norbertines, you may know some of uh, the most famous Norbertines today are the ones at Clear, or at St. Michael's Abbey in California. They claim that St. Dominic was a pre-monasterian, a Norbertine himself. Um, there's debate on whether or not that's true, but it would explain why they kept the white habit. They were some very similar. Say. Some might say. Some might say. And now, and many times, he traveled with the bishop across. This was all before the founding of the Dominican Order. Eventually... He would found the Dominican Order, and Dominicans would preach during the Albigensian Crusades. So Simon de Mumford was battling physically against the Albigensians. Meanwhile, on the same battlefield, the Dominicans were out there preaching to the Albigensian, trying to get them to convert so they would not die. <laughs> so there you go, folks. There you go. Uh, St. Simon, or not St. Simon, Simon de Mumford was a dear friend of St. Dominic, and um he, Simon de Mumford is actually kind of a tragic, tragic character uh, to look at, maybe another day. Now, he ended up eventually being able to found the Dominican Order, and there are many, many things to be said there. I'll only say one. There was a moment when St. Dominic, St. Francis, and Friar Angel of the Carmelite Order met providentially on a street corner in Rome. And when they met, they began to prophesy to one another. And the prophecy was... That through the brown scapular and the Holy Rosary, that Our Lady would save the world. And what do we see 800 years later? Our Lady of Fatima appears in 1917, and she gives us what two instruments? The Rosary and the brown scapular. These are the instruments that we were given by, Saint, by Our Lady um, through St. Dominic, through the Carmelite Order, to preach the gospel to all nations, to save the world, and save our own souls. And so lastly, during this great feast day, and I probably will just keep mentioning St. Dominic the rest of the day because he's easily my top three favorite saints. And so I probably will bring him up again. However, the thing to think about today, the thing to pray for today is for zeal for the house of God, for learning, for holiness, and for the hatred of evil and heresy. 
This was the spirit of St. Dominic, and this is the spirit that we should pray for this day and hear the words of St. Dominic, who said that he wishes his brethren would speak only to God or about God, and that's it. Holy Father Dominic, pray, pray for, for us. us. Happy Friday to you. I just wasted the entire intro on that, but uh, good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. <laughs> good morning, Adrian. I know you're really passionate about St. Dominic, so I'll allow it. Thank you. I'll I allow appreciate it. it. I mean, it's I just one time it. out of the year, right? I mean, Isn't oh, wait. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the the good news with the change in the calendar is that um, oh, you get to celebrate. I get to celebrate multiple, multiple times. times. There you go. Is Saint Dominic your patron? Uh, he's not. Who is your he's patron? Not my patron. I guess would be Saint Adrian. Saint Adrian. Um, but because okay. uh, coincidentally, the my parents named me Adrian not after Saint Adrian, but I found out like five years ago that there's a Saint Adrian on my birthday. Oh, wow. That's yeah, what are cool. the chances, right? Oh. It's providential. Uh, that's my confirmation cool. saint is Pio, oh, okay. which is a Franciscan, which is weird. Yeah, that's that kind of weird, isn't it? <laughs> so there you go, folks. There you right. go. A uh, little update. So I was been complaining about my mouth. So it turns out I have dry socket. And so that's why my uh, jawbone was exposed. By the way, why, why, does, pain. why does every uh, malady sound so foul? Why do they give it such a foul name, dry socket? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. So it sounds it horrible, you, right? It's like gag. Makes your skin Yikes. crawl. Gross. <laughs> I, it is pretty gross. And so um, yesterday I got my mouth sewn shut, um, my or my gums rather sewn shut, <laughs> and the uh, that was pretty painful. But the um, the dentist told me, okay, I want you to just not talk for a couple days, okay? I was like, um, um, no. Well, <laughs> I was like, well, and he, uh, when I told him, I was like, you know, I got to actually do a radio show and I have to do that in the morning for two hours. And he's like, oh, well, um, can you actually get a puppet and be a ventriloquist? So he was like, well, otherwise, <laughs> just don't talk the rest of the day, try not to talk too much on the weekend. You'll probably be okay, but now I know why you have got dry socket. So you're starting your silent <laughs> retreat after the show today. All right. There you it. go. There you go, folks. All right. At 15 past the hour, Bill Clinton speaks about immigration. Um, that's interesting. That's something we're going to talk about at 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, they arrested a woman attempting to smuggle three kids at Juarez Lincoln Bridge. That's very concerning. At 45 past the hour, Justin Trudeau and his wife separates after 18 years of marriage. Why is this significant and why should we be talking about this? In the next hour, Dave Palmer joins us. He is bringing back Back to the Father. It's back to Back to the Father. So that's going to be a great time in the next hour. And as always, the Fear and Trembling Game Show. Today's the day we give out the prize, so make sure you call in. Let's begin with prayer. I want to pray in Thanksgiving because I was told yesterday or the day before Emily Esserman and her daughter Sienna are doing okay. Emily's recovering well. And Sienna, there has been no more seizures um, for a while, so they are looking very hopeful. So Thanksgiving in that. We pray for our friends, family, and benefactors, and all those we promise to pray for and for whatever your intentions are, that you have a blessed weekend. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. O Immaculata, Queen of Heaven and Earth, Refuge of sinners and our most loving mother, God has willed to entrust the entire order of mercy to you. I, a repentant sinner, cast myself at your feet, humbly imploring you to take me with all that I am and have, wholly to yourself and as your possession and property. Please make of me of all my powers of soul and body, of my whole life, death, and eternity, whatever most pleases you. If it pleases you, use all that I am and have without reserve. Holy to accomplish what was said of you, she will crush your head, 
and you alone have destroyed all heresies in the world. Let me be a fit instrument in your immaculate and merciful hands for introducing and increasing your glory to the maximum in all the many straight and indifferent souls, and thus help extend as far as possible the blessed kingdom of the most sacred heart of Jesus, for wherever you enter you obtain the grace of conversion and growth in holiness, since it is through your hands that all graces come to us from the most sacred heart of Jesus. Allow me to praise you, O sacred virgin. Give me strength against your enemies. O Mary, concede without sin. Pray for us who have recourse to thee and all those who do not have recourse to thee, especially the Freemasons. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now, your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Here are your Friday headlines. The Daily Wire reports U.S. officials and missionaries are evacuated from Niger as military seizes power. The U.S. moved on Wednesday to partially evacuate its embassy in Niger as military leaders have seized power in the country, removing President Mohamed Bazoum from office. Soldiers installed General Abdurrahman as president. In the aftermath of the coup, Europeans and Americans have left the country, and the State Department has told Americans to no longer travel there. Here's one from Breitbart. The headline goes, Capitol Police Chief says, January 6 is a cover-up in leaked, unaired Tucker Carlson interview. Former U.S. Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sun described January 6th as a, quote, cover-up, unquote, in a leaked interview with Tucker Carlson that Fox News refused to air. Sun discussed his disappointment with the way that former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and former Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman Mark Milley handled the intelligence that suggested problems would arise on Capitol Hill on January 6th, saying, quote, Like I said, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but when you look at the information and intelligence they had, that the military had, it's all watered down, he explained. I'm not getting intelligence. I'm denied any support from the National Guard in advance. I'm denied by the National Guard when we're under attack for 71 minutes, unquote. The National Catholic Register reports Generation Xers' church attendance drops to millennial levels, a survey suggests. In contrast, no generation endured greater spiritual turbulence than Generation X during the pandemic, said George Barna, director of research at the Cultural Research Center. Among the biggest changes in their religious perspective were declines in believing God created humans, that he is the basis of truth, and that he is the omniscient and omnipotent ruler of the universe. Those doubts have precipitated important transitions in religious behavior, including less frequent Bible reading, church attendance, confession of personal sin, seeking to do God's will, and worshiping God, the report also said. Keep them in your prayers. We have to retake the culture. Keep it also dialed on Catholic Drive Time for more headlines. Back to you, Adrian. The Gospel of the Day comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 54 through 58. Now, the good news is, um, this is it. That's the entirety of chapter 13. We made it through to chapter 13. Can you believe it? I wasn't Um, ready. (laughs) (laughs) The gospel today refers to our Lord going back to his home country. So he comes back and he says, how came this man by this wisdom and miracles? So people are surprised at him. They're saying, how is this man so wise? Why do they say this? Well, he says in verse 55, is not this the carpenter's son? Now, it's interesting to note if you're very if you're curious, Cornelius Alapide goes through here and he explains the family of our Lord. So he says who is related to who and by what what manner. And he explains and he cites his sources. So if you're interested in that, uh, go ahead and check that out from Cornelius Alapide. The important thing here is not this the carpenter's son. What does this tell us? Cornelius Alapide explains that one by carpenter, we are looking at something more than simply what we think is carpenter. 
And so he cites many different saints giving him various different professions. Why is this the case? The word carpenter literally refers to the word in Greek, tekton. And a tekton was more like a workman, someone who does different ordinance tasks. So he was likely a carpenter, a blacksmith, a, um, a worker of, of uh, creating in, in other fields. According to this law, but it gives uh, three or four different citations of many saints and fathers of the church citing different manners in which he was skilled in creation. And he says, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting how our Lord, who created the world when he chose to be incarnate in man, decided to be a workman, decided to be someone who works with his hands, who is someone who creates. And I always thought that was interesting. And it's always something that I always wanted to do. I was always looking for someone to teach me how to do these kind of things like blacksmithing, carpentry, because it's the closest thing to creation that you can get. It's the closest thing to participating in God's creation ex nihilo out of nothing that you can get. A very beautiful thing. Now, before we go any further on that, which I, this is worthy of a whole conversation in and of itself, the last thing I want to say here is here it says, and they were scandalized in his regard. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor save in his own country and in his own house. And he wrought not many miracles there because of their unbelief. Now here he does this out of charity because Cornelius Lapide points out that when someone is given miracles, when someone is given great signs, when someone is given great preachers, their place in hell is worse if they do not turn to the faith. And because their hearts were hardened, our Lord did not desire that they have a low place in hell. And so and they, he did not do many miracles to them. And this goes to show us that many people who say things like, if God just came in the sky and told me that he was real, I would believe. Well, would you? Would you believe? Our Lord, very clearly being omniscient, knows whether or not this would convince you. And you would probably say, oh, no, that, I'm hallucinating. I ate something crazy yesterday. That would probably be your reaction. And a prophet is not welcome in his own home. This is a very common refrain. This is because people see you and they recognize, oh, yeah, I knew him when he was flawed. I knew him when he was a kid. I knew him. Now, obviously, it doesn't apply to our Lord, who is a perfect child, but this goes for everyone else. They're like, how could this person, who I remember, Johnny, he threw a baseball through the window, and now he's trying to tell me how to be good? <laughs> I ain't listening to that kid. This is uh, not the attitude we should have. We should instead recognize people repent, people change, and recognize the truth for the truth and error for error. We'll be right back right after this. Donnie, what are the four Gospels in the New Testament? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And who baptized Jesus? St. John the Baptist. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. What is a fanatic? Well, have you ever heard someone defending animal rights as if they have completely forgotten about human rights? G.K. Chesterton says that is a perfect example of a fanatic. 
someone with a sense of a particular truth that is too strong for his sense of the universal truth. He will invoke even cruelty to prevent cruelty to animals. Later, he may even invoke cruelty to animals to prevent cruelty to pit ponies. It is not merely that he has kept one thing and lost a thousand things. He has lost the basis even of the one thing. For a man cannot long remain right without a reason. We must accept all the universal truths so that we don't go off balance with one particular truth. And where do we find the perfect balance of all universal truths? In the Catholic Church. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Oh, wonderful hope which you gave to those who wept for you at the hour of your death, promising that after your decease you would be helpful to your brethren. Fulfill, Father, what you have said and help us by your prayers. You shone on the bodies of the sick with so many miracles. Bring us the help of Christ to heal our sick souls. Fulfill, Father, what you have said and help us by your prayers. Holy Father St. Dominic, pray for us. A beautiful prayer. I used to, we used to pray this prayer every night before bed. The O Spam Miram uh, to St. Dominic right before bed. A beautiful, beautiful prayer. We love St. Dominic. All right. Anyway, uh, the, <laughs> to, the, to the point, to the news. Uh, Representative Troy Niels plays a video of Bill Clinton calling for an end to illegal immigration during a Judiciary Committee hearing. I thought this was very interesting because you go back in time not that long ago within, what, less than 20 years? And the Democrats were holding a position that is slightly right of where the conservatives are today on immigration, which is crazy to think about. So <laughs> I just find that very amusing. So I want to play that clip for you of the uh, clip of Bill, what Bill Clinton had to say about the um, about immigration. So let's play that clip. Hi, Orcus. Members of this committee, please turn your attention to the video screens. All Americans, not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country, are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. The jobs they hold might otherwise be held by citizens or legal immigrants. The public service they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. That's why our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more, by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before, by cracking down on illegal hiring, by barring welfare benefits to illegal aliens. In the budget I will present to you, we will try to do more to speed the deportation of illegal aliens who are arrested for crimes, to better identify illegal aliens in the workplace, as recommended by the commission headed by former Congresswoman Barbara Jordan. We are a nation of immigrants, but we are also a nation of laws. It is wrong and ultimately self-defeating for a nation of immigrants to permit the kind of abuse of our immigration laws we have seen in recent years, and we must do more to stop it. Mr. Secretary, I can understand why you didn't stand with me and my colleagues and clap. You didn't want to clap at that because you and Joe Biden believe just the opposite of what President Clinton just said. You believe in open borders and complete chaos. 
Did you notice the bipartisan support in the chamber? As the video was played, everybody was clapping in that chamber. If I were in Congress in 1995, I would have also stood. Because I wasn't, I stand here today. Other than President Donald J. Trump, the greatest president in my lifetime, with the most safest and secure border, I believe President Clinton understood just how important border security is to our nation. But boy, oh boy, have times changed. 28 years later, the left has gone off the rails. They've gone completely nuts. They've done just the opposite of what the leader of the Democrat Party, President Clinton, stood for on border security in 1995. Yeah, there you go. I think that was very interesting to hear, to see that um, in 1995, um, the position of the Democrat Party was so far to the right that they would have been, like, if that, if that came out, if a Democrat candidate came out saying that, they'd be labeled radical extremists. They'd be, bigots. They'd be kicked out of the party. Um, you just can't hold that position and be a Democrat in the 21st century, in, the, in 2023, rather. Very, very strange. Very, very interesting. But it's interesting because here we see that this is not something that needs to be a partisan issue. This is not something that has to be a left-right divide. This, doesn't, this isn't something... The question of how to do things, of course, is something that we can be debated. But the, the question of the morality of keeping a border is simply and very straightforwardly true that you cannot have open borders and still have a country. Because what even is a country? A country is a collection of peoples within a physical boundary. And if you don't have a physical boundary and you don't have a collection of peoples, there's nothing uniting them. With common interests. With common interests. Then what, what even is your country? 1995 of happy memory. Happy memory. There you go. <laughs> I or remember it fondly. <laughs> you were like, what, five? I was five years old. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I didn't even have reason yet. <laughs> but no, the, um, no, I mean, it's, it's interesting to note because I mean, many people were around for that. Many people yeah. were around for that and they will remember this time or they won't remember this time. Rather, they will look back and they're going to say, whew, that's, um, that was not that long ago. And yet now... Like, what was your position, I'd be wondering? What was your position in 1995? And if you were in 1995, what did you think about immigration? And what changed your mind? I'd be very curious. What made you change your mind and say, you know what? We should totally have just completely open borders, let everybody in. Uh, what shifted? It's kind of like the same idea. It's not as extreme, but it's, it's very similar to the idea of uh, the transgender movement, the gay rights movement. Like, I would like to sit down with Joe Biden and ask him. At what point? Well, I guess he claims he he lies and he says that he always believed in gay marriage from whenever he was a kid, which is mm -hmm. crazy because he's like what, almost ninety years old. <laughs> like you're telling me, so that would have been absurd eighty years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like there's no way. There's no way. Yeah, I do wonder that, Adrian. You know, uh, there has to be a, a succession of events that would change somebody's opinion on that. And I'm curious as to what happened from 1995 to today. Like uh, the representative said, 28 years later. Uh, was there some sort of change of heart? Did he meet somebody who came over the border illegally and uh, there was a softening of the heart and therefore now he doesn't believe in borders? It's, uh, it's interesting how, these, how these, uh, these people change their opinions over the years. Now, it's completely reasonable to have an opinion 
five years ago and maybe disregard it now. I mean, that's completely normal. We expect people to change. But on something like this, which, like you said, is completely objective, we need to have borders. We need to have that for the function of the country. Something There's something wrong there. Something happened unless this is a complete narrative shift and this is just something that uh, that is accelerating the destruction of the country. Or perhaps uh, we're pulling in all of these people who tend to vote Democrats so that they can stay in power longer. Yeah, I always hold the definition of uh, woke. I kind of crafted this definition myself a few months ago whenever it was a whole debate on what is what does it mean to be woke. I kind of said that to be woke is to hold with religious fervor the dictates of the leftist media, of the revolutionary media. And I say that because all of the all the people in the in the Democrats, a lot of the leftists are woke. And so whenever the media who speaks for the left says something, they just say, oh, yeah, that's my position. And they don't actually sit there and think about it, which is kind of why I like listening to Tim Pool, um, who is a hardcore libertarian, um, very, very much not a conservative, very, very much not a Christian. He said he's not even he doesn't really believe in God. He's like, I kind of believe in a higher being, kind of don't. But I like listening to him because he talks about, like, he's like, I voted for Hillary Clinton the first election. I voted for Donald Trump the second election. And he said, I hated Donald Trump. I hated him. And, but the leftist media continued to lie about him over and over and over again every single day. And I had to come in and say, look, guys, I don't like this guy, <laughs> but you're clearly lying. Here are the facts. And he's like, you made me defend him for like four years, and I hate you for it. And, um, and I thought that was really interesting. And it's, it's very interesting because someone who actually – looks at the narrative and says, am I being fed the information that is true? And I think that's a very interesting person, and I, I hope that he continues down the path and he um, ends up becoming Catholic. Way. Apparently he's a, yeah. he was a cradle Catholic. He, really? went, he went to Catholic school, uh, oh. left the faith, and now a complete secularist. Um, he even says things like, yeah, I think women should have, be able to have abortions, uh, but we shouldn't kid ourselves. Abortion's murder. Um, so things like that. So it's like it's very interesting, interesting character. I don't necessarily recommend him to people. Um, I cite from his site because he does a really good job of laying out. He's got a good analysis. Yeah. yeah, good analysis. Yeah. So I think that's very interesting. I think it's something that we should keep in mind when we look at these narratives being presented to us in the media. We should stop for a second and say, "Is what I'm hearing true?" This is why I don't report on a lot of things. Like for instance, the. Um, up until today, the Trump indictment, everybody's like, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Right. Is it going to be about this? Is it not going to be about this? And everybody's talking about it. And I'm like, when it happens and if things get sorted out, then we can talk about it. Otherwise, it's then, just speculation. It's just Pure, speculation. Yeah, exactly. And every side is going to be saying all sorts of ridiculous things. Uh, people are saying, oh, no. I kind of like um, they're saying, oh, yeah, any day now, QAnon, um, the, the drops are going to happen. And Donald Trump's going to come back and he's going to become president. And uh, they're gonna, he's going to issue out the the uh, the government, the the secret police, and I'm like, dude, <laughs> which would <laughs> stop? <laughs> kind of would be cool, I guess, but mm, not really. No, that's crazy. It's so crazy, and so it's interesting to see these narratives being spun in real time. And it's so it, taking a stop and looking backwards for a second is very very interesting. So we go back in time for just a moment, and we look at what is it that people were saying. 10, 20, 30 years ago, the same people, the same exact people, and see what they were saying not that long ago. 
and ask them, why did you change your mind? I'd be very curious. And like you said, man, people change their minds sometimes. Uh, why? I mean, I've changed my mind about a lot of things, but mm-hmm. if you ask me about it, I could sit down and explain to you why I changed my mind about certain things. I think um, you should constantly be trying to, you know, refine what you know to be to be true. And so make sure that not to uh, change what is truth, but to make sure that what you're believing is actually true yeah. and then conform your mind to that truth. So I think it's something that we should definitely be doing constantly in our lives to analyze our positions and to say, okay, I thought this 30 years ago. I completely changed my mind. Why? I remember, Adrian, as you were talking about Tim Pool, I remember sitting at my kitchen table. I lived at Holly- in Hollywood at the time. Ashley was over for dinner because we were just dating. And we were discussing how we were going to vote. And this was uh, 2016, so I was thinking, I can't vote Democrat anymore because they told me I can't be a Democrat and not support abortion. And I was already like thinking about this through, and I... I said to myself, like, I just can't do it. And thinking about all the, the turmoil, like, oh, well, but the, the media is telling me that he's evil and that I'm going to get dragged through the street for being Mexican and not white and all this crazy <laughs> stuff. And I remember that as the turning point for me wow. to really lean conservative because it was it was an undoing of all of those narratives that the media constantly plays into your mind. And now I'm happy to report that uh, I'm even farther right than where I was. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, I mean, it takes so just people a, change. a catalyst. Yeah. People change, for People sure. change, but you got to ask why, right? Yeah. You got to know why did you change? Is it because it was true or is it because you were following the woke agenda? You're following the, the latest thing. You're following... Perhaps the, you're being manipulated. Thing. Perhaps you're being manipulated. By Adrian. By me. <laughs> <laughs> I am the narrative crafter. All right, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the uh, situation with... The, well, speaking about the border, there is a woman that was arrested for trafficking three children across the border. So we're talking about that when we come back in just one moment. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you really believe in a secret catching away of the church called the rapture? The pages of your Bible are empty of that type of talk. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, solid biblical doctrine is time-tested. This rapture idea got its wheels rolling by John Darby in about 1830. I mean, have you heard of a third coming? You know you haven't. Secondly, God's nature. There's no reasonable premise in Scripture, let alone in moral reasoning, for the results of a rapture scenario such as this. A Christian pilot is yanked, raptured, out of his jet, while scores of the remaining passengers who are not Christians violently crash to their death. Meanwhile, said pilot is basking in the presence of God. This is absurd, and believe me, this is preached day in and day out. Thirdly, bad fruit. The preacher at your church says, Tonight, don't you be left in that pew alone, while that person next to you gets raptured straight up into heaven. That, my friend, is folly with no foundation. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with the Catholic apologists. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. 
This one is from the Epic Times. The headline is, Two U.S. Navy sailors are arrested and accused of spying for China. A really concerning story here. Wei Jinchao, who also goes by Patrick Wei, was indicted for conspiracy to send national defense information to a Chinese intelligence officer and arrested on August 2nd after reporting to work at Naval Base San Diego, home port of the Pacific Fleet. The 22-year-old worked as an, uh, an active duty sailor on the amphibious assault ship, the U.S. the USS Essex. He was communicating with a Chinese intelligence officer who tasked him with transmitting photos, videos, and documents concerning the U.S. Navy ships and their systems. In compensation, the, the Chinese officer paid him thousands of dollars, according to authorities. Arrested on the same day was Thomas uh, Zhao Wensheng of California's Monterey Park from a federal grand jury, whom, rather, a federal grand jury charged with taking bribes in exchange for photos, videos, and other information to a Chinese intelligence officer over, over a nearly two-year span. Mr. Zhao faces up to 20 years in prison if he's convicted. He pocketed about $14,000 for his actions, according to U.S. officials. And Breitbart reports, Cancer patient denied treatment for her views on transgenderism. The staff at the Oregon Health and Science University disregarded Marlene Barbara's concerns when she commented on the office's prominently displayed transgender flag. Marlene was receiving cancer care at this facility. After she had a disagreement over the phone with a staff member, the clinic dropped her as a patient, informing her in an email saying, quote, Effective immediately, you are discharged from receiving medical care at the Richmond Family Medicine Clinic. This action is being taken because of your ongoing disrespectful and hurtful remarks about our LGBTQ community and staff, adding that she was also banned from all other clinics associated with the university. Those were all of your headlines this morning. May God bless all of your holy efforts today. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Now, this story here, we're sticking on the immigration story because um, this is really sad. This is really sad, and it's heartbreaking. And these stories have to be highlighted because the tactic... So my preference for things, generally speaking, is to use um, argumentation via logic. And so say, okay, what is the objectively correct answer? Uh, but that doesn't really work for a lot of people. A lot of people are swayed by their emotions. They're swayed by the stories that they're told. Their stories are told, so they, they show you a narrative. They weave you a narrative. They show you pictures of, of kids in cages, and they say, see, look, this is how bad it is at the border. This is why we have to abolish the border. This is why we have to make everybody legal. And this is simply denying the reality of what's going on on the border. So U.S. Customs and Border Protection have arrested a woman attempting to smuggle three children at the Juarez-Lincoln Bridge. At July 31st, officers at the bridge encountered a 54-year-old female U.S. citizen and a 2014 Ford Taurus who presented U.S. birth certificates for three children. The driver of the Taurus was referred for a secondary inspection where officers discovered that while the birth certificates were genuine, they did not belong to the children in the vehicle. Additionally, the children, a 12-year-old boy and two girls ages 10 and 4, were Mexican citizens, not American. Our CBP officers shut down this, this would-be child smuggling attempt using their inspection skills and experience, said Port Director Albert Flores, Laredo Port of Entry, in a press release. CBP remains committed to upholding our immigration laws, and this apprehension 
perfectly illustrates that commitment. Imagine if we didn't have Border Patrol. Imagine if we, if these police officers listened to the Biden administration that said basically don't enforce our laws. If they just let open the borders and let everyone pass through. These three children, 12-year-old boy, 10-year-old girl, and a four-year-old, just a, just a baby, would have been trafficked into Mexico, back into Mexico. What would they have done to this child, to these children? What was going to happen to these children? This is a very, very concerning situation. A trial run of a program doing DNA testing on minors on the border found that out of 84 ostensible families that were DNA tested at the border, 16 were not biologically related. That means 19% or nearly one in five children at the border are being brought in by non-relatives. This is very concerning. This is very concerning. And the situation is that so many people are coming across the border. Even if you did decide you're going to implement this universally, how do you do DNA test on that many people and keep it going quick, efficient, being able to do it without putting people in cages, without trying to lock people up? What do you do? Do you just let them across the border with these kids and then just hope that you're doing the right thing and hope that they don't, they don't hurt these kids and hope that they come back for DNA testing later? Or do you, you detain them? you got to do it like the DMV. <laughs> you got to have 25 different forms of identification, mm. and that way they can, they can certify that those kids are legit. Well, you but should. But all jokes aside, I mean, seriously, uh, this, is, this is kind of, I mean, it's kind of uh, an obvious question that you're asking, right? Like, well, how do we, how do we keep this going? The answer is you can't. There's, there's not a way for you to, to continue to do this and, and, and do a DNA test for every single uh, person that comes over. It's just not feasible. So the only solution is to tighten down the, the, the border to a point where we're not accepting as many people coming in. Yeah, and the other problem is a lot of people will pay others to bring their kids to America from Mexico, these coyotes, what they call them, and when they do, they will give the, the, these uh, cartel members, these people, identification to get them across the border. Mm -hmm. The problem is that when they do this, there is many cases, and I don't want to give a number to it because I don't know statistically what that would be, but there are many cases that we know for a fact happen where they take the money of the parents, they take all the information, and then they traffic the kids instead. So they're going to take your money, take your kids, and then abuse your kids. You paid them for a service, and you're not even getting that. Now, the article says every child deserves protection, particularly those most vulnerable. Vulnerable, Representative Gooden said, the exploitation of underage aliens by human traffickers is one of the most sickening resort results of the border crisis. This legislation, talking about the potential legislation he's running by, will ensure that young children are no longer viewed as skip-the-line tickets by cartel members. That's true. Because of the whole backlash on, oh, kids in cages, that they are basically letting anybody in if they came across with a kid, which creates a perverse incentive for kidnapping children. Yeah. Very concerning. The bill would make it a felony offense with a mandated maximum 10-year penalty for any individual to fabricate family ties or guardianship over a, a minor. Congressman Gooden said, with this bill, we send a clear message that we are committed to the safety and welfare of children. 
staying firm against any forms of exploitation. We have to do something to do to stop this. Is this the right answer? Well, that's where debate comes in. We could have genuine debate on how what the best policy is. Right now, I haven't heard another policy, so this is as good as any. But if we're not going to create a policy, if we're not going to create debate around this, and we're just going to simply call someone evil for wanting to shut down the border, then these things are going to keep happening. And we can pat ourselves on the back and feel comfy, feel nice that there are not kids in cages on the border. We can feel nice that people are not being separated from their adult parents. But our feelings don't matter at the end of the day. What matters is the reality of what's actually happening. And this is just the cases that we've caught. The Godaways. The Godaways are massive. In fact, the Epic Times, maybe we should uh, reach out to the director of this film. The Epic Times just put out a documentary called The Godaways, where they uh, they were they sent uh, on the uh, on the ground reporters to watch the border and see constantly tons of people sneaking across. How Godaways will break into people's houses that are on the border and hold up their homes and steal from them. That these people on these ranches by the border towns that they have they have boarded up their windows and things like that. They make sure they have guns on them constantly because. Many of these gotaways are the ones that know for a fact that they cannot get across legally. And so these are criminals. These are cartel members. These are people who are, are bad, according to the Mexican government. So they know that if they run their names, they will be sent back immediately. Those are the people sneaking across that we're not even documenting those people. Those people are not even the ones that we're seeing here. And his number it gets higher and higher. And it's something that we have to keep in mind because um, to turn a blind eye to this, is to turn a blind eye to human trafficking, to the exploitation of children. And I think this is something that is, um, is very grave. And I'm glad that Tim Ballard, that uh, Eduardo Verastegui, and the, the entire movement around Sound of Freedom has sparked the conversation about human trafficking, especially going into America. Because Americans being the largest consumer of child trafficking, we'll say, is absolutely a blight on America. Absolute blight on America. So, let's keep that in mind. Let's pray for these children. And let's pray that we have some sanity. When we come back, Justin Trudeau and his wife separate after 18 years of marriage. Plus, did you hear the Vatican Mariologist suggests that um, that Our Lady of Fatima's message is probably not true? Hmm, that's concerning. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Haven't you honestly wondered, why do all the different denominations break away from each other? Timeline, 1500s, Luther breaks from the Catholic Church, 16th century. John Knox is influenced by Calvin and breaks from Luther, thus the Presbyterians. 17th century, John Smith then breaks away and starts the Baptist. 18th century, Wesley breaks and starts the Methodist. Even crazier are all the scores of non-denominational individuals who break from each other, generally due to cosmic ego and, quote, a new revelation. Well, here's the three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Judges 21 says, quote, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which is right in his own eyes. Secondly, physics. Once the dam breaks, water goes where it will. Luther broke canon law 331, which says about the Pope, By virtue of his office, he possesses supreme, full, immediate, and universal ordinary power in the church. And thirdly, my take. Gifted theologians can be just like my fourth grade friend who said, I'm taking my bat and ball and going home. 
Hey, Donnie, who was the first pope to whom Jesus said, You are the rock upon which I will build my church? St. Peter. And who is the current pope? Pope Francis. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Oh, light of the church, teacher of truth, rose of patience, ivory of chastity, you freely poured forth the wisdom, the waters of wisdom. Preacher of grace, unite us with the blessed. Alleluia. Holy Father St. Dominic, pray for us. Now, St. Dominic's feast day being today, it's interesting that this story came across uh, my mind is that thanks to Anthony Stein with Return to Tradition, he was talking about this, which was interesting because this article is from May 19, 2023. Somehow I missed this article. What does this article say? The Vatican Mariologists suggest apparitions about God's punishment are false despite past approval. The president of Rome's Pontifical Marian Academy appear to implicitly reject the authenticity of apparitions such as those of Our Lady of Fatima and comments labeled as contrary to divine revelation. Hmm. St. Dominic, you know, St. Vincent Ferrer, when he gave his sermon for the Feast of St. Dominic, and that was like, what, 600 years ago? He talked about how during the time of St. Dominic, and St. Vincent Ferrer, for if you don't know, was an amazing mystic and miracle worker. He would converse with Our Lady. He had many visions. He had many opportunities to, to do miracles like raising the dead. He was known as the angel of the apocalypse. That They said that if, if he did not go around the world and preach the gospel to the whole world, that God would come and destroy the world. And when everybody doubted him and said, there's no way that's true, that you're crazy, he confirmed what he said by there was a dead woman being brought by in a casket and he commanded the dead to rise and tell them who he was. The woman gets out of the casket and tells everyone, he is the angel of the apocalypse. She gets back in the casket and dies. So this is the man who we're talking about. And he said, during the time of St. Dominic, it would have been that the end of the world came if it wasn't for the salt of the earth that was St. Dominic. That St. Dominic and his Dominican order that he created became the salt of the earth. And the salt of the earth, what does salt do? Salt preserves. And he preserved the world. Because there's so much evil was in the world, so much decadence was in the world, that our Lord was ready to destroy it. What does that make us think about today? And they said that if St. Dominic had not founded the Dominican order, if he did not rise to the glory of his vocation, if he did not preach the gospel to all nations, if he did not speak only to God or about God, the world would have ended. So let's compare that to what we're talking about here. The president of the Pontifical International Marian Academy stated that the newly formed group inside the academy will judge any alleged Marian apparitions, which speaks of the punishment from God to be absolutely false, raising questions about what advice he would give to the world's bishops. On April 15, 2023, a new body was established within the PAMI, which is to set a, provide a key training and guidance to Catholic bishops on how to respond to alleged Marian apparitions. Reportedly, it is a direct res- response to requests from bishops 
themselves from assisting dealing with alleged Marian phenomena. Called the Observatory for Apparitions and Mystical Phenomena Relating to Mary, it will attempt to provide clarity regarding alleged Marian apparitions. It will analyze and interpret the various cases of apparitions, lacrimations, but also interlocution, stigmata, and other phenomena. Speaking to the Vatican News in April, the president, Father Stefano Cecchin, OFM, stated, It is important to provide clarity because often alleged messages generate confusion, spread anxious apocalyptic scenarios, and even accusations against the Pope and the Church. How could Mary, mother of the Church, undermine its integrity or sow fear in opposition, she who is a mother of mercy and queen of peace, he questioned. Likewise, it is important to provide formative support because dealing with certain cases requires adequate preparation. That's interesting that he mentions Queen of Peace, Mother of Mercy, because Our Lady is also described as terrible as an army in battle array. Our Lady is described as the hammer of heretics, as she who alone destroyed all heresies. Our Lady, yes, is a Queen of Peace, but peace in what way? Where does peace come from? Peace does not come from nobody talking about bad things. The peace does not come from giving up the fight. No, instead, peace comes through Christ. And Christ said, I came not to bring peace, but the sword. He came to bring division. Division between who? Division between right and wrong, truth and error, Christ and chaos. This is the division in which Christ came to bring. Because you, if you are not with him, you are against him. And Our Lady came and she said, over and over again, throughout history, approved by miracles, she said over and over again, there will be times with bishop against bishop, prelate against prelate. She said there will be heresies in the church. She wept because souls blasphemed the holy name of Jesus. And what are we to think? All of this is wrong because it's doom and gloom? Are we, is all of this is wrong because we should not trust the prophets of doom? No, instead we should see this as a warning of reparation, an opportunity to console the hearts of Our Lady and Our Lord. These are the words, the saints. If I cannot trust them, then who can I trust? You want me to trust this new idea that God would never do anything that's mean? Have you not read the Old Testament? Have you not seen the things our Lord said and did? Did you not read the book of the Apocalypse? This is a very, very concerning situation. I don't know how I missed this back happening in May. I'm glad this was brought to the attention. Because this is what's going to be put out to your bishop. This is what's going to be put out to analyze all Marian apparitions going forward and maybe going backwards. He says here, we are not here to take the place of the bishops. We only offer formation. We are the only ones competent in the subject of the figure of Mary in the whole world. Our scholars are accredited by the Holy See. That is to say, we are recognized as experts in this discipline and therefore with the right to intervene. When we go down to work, we do so with a certificate from the Holy See that accredits us to trustworthy people without outside interest. 
but it is the bishop who makes the final word and has the last word and the final say. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? These people claim to be the spokesman of the Holy Father, of the Pope. They claim to be the spokesman for the Vatican, saying that they are the only ones competent to analyze these situations. The Franciscans referenced the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith, 1978, spoke of certain other warning signs of the events, but what are the warning signs? Does a mother want to punish her children by sending them illness, death? No way! So the apparitions that speak of punishment from God are absolutely false. That's insanity. St. Augustine in his City of God very clearly said that God punishes nations by war, famine, and plagues. Is St. Augustine wrong? Am I supposed to listen to you rather than Augustine? Am I supposed to listen to you rather than Aquinas? Am I supposed to listen to you instead of Vincent Ferrer? Hmm. In 1978, the norms do not mention judging an alleged apparition based on its referring to divine punishment, presenting positive and negative criteria for and judging an event. It simply lists these criteria, according to LifeSite News, clear error about the event, doctrinal errors relating to the event, evidence of profiteering from the alleged event, gravely immoral acts committed by the visionaries or their followers, psychological disorder on the part of the alleged visionary. That seems very reasonable. Yeah, if Our Lady appears and tells you something contrary to the teachings of the church, then for sure that should be a ginormous red flag. But to say that if Our Our Lady would never talk about sending illnesses and death, have you not read the Bible? Have you not read sacred scripture? How often has our Lord punished nations? How often has our Lord punished his own people? This is a very, very concerning story that has to be recognized because these claims are not of Our Lady. These claims that these uh, that Our Lady would never say anything like this is absolutely contrary to divine revelation and the consistent teaching of the church for 2,000 years. Deacon Nick Donnelly speaking to Lifesight News said, Father Chachin's decision to exclude Marian apparitions that speak of God's punishment is absolutely contrary to divine revelation. The Old Testament prophets warn of the dire punishments associated with the eschatological day of the Lord. And our Lord often mentions the punishments of hell and those associated with his second coming. Those punishments are further explicated in St. John's Apocalypse. Therefore, we can assume from divine revelation that any authentic Marian apparition that deals with eschatology will explicitly mention God's punishment. Hmm. And so, what is the apparition that talks about God's punishment today, that everyone thinks about? That would be the July 13, 1917 vision of Our Lady of Fatima to the three shepherd children at Fatima. There Our Lady appeared, and she showed three young children a vision of hell, warning them of man's consequences. She told them, you have seen hell where the souls of poor sinners go. To save them, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to my immaculate heart. If what I say to you is done, many souls will be saved, and there will be peace. 
the war is going to end, but if people do not cease offending God, a worse one will break out during the reign of Pius XI. When you see a night illumined by an unknown light, know that this is the great sign given you by God that he is about to punish the world for its crimes by means of war, famine, and persecution of the church and of the Holy Father. Hmm. This is the message of Our Lady of Fatima. Did it come true? Did World War II break out during the reign of Pius XI? Did World War II, did World War I end and then World War II break out soon after? That's exactly what happened. Our Lady of Fatima made a prediction. It came true. And what did she request of us? Did she say, donate money to this cause? Did she say, make yourself rich? She said, pray the rosary every day. Wear the brown scapular. Make the first five Saturdays. Reparation, reparation, reparation. These were the message of Our Lady of Fatima. We remember John the 23rd, he came out during the, the calling of Vatican II, and he said, we should not listen to these prophets of doom. What else are we to listen to? When our Lord told us that if we don't repent, we won't be saved, are we to not listen to him? Is our Lord a prophet of doom for saying that souls go to hell? A very concerning situation from people who claim to be followers of the Blessed Virgin Mary. As for me and my house, we will be children of Our Lady. We will follow Our Lady to the death. We will proclaim her most glorious name and preach over and over again repentance, penance, penance, penance. We'll be right back right after this. children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the Bible sufficient to answer all questions about Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitively no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrinal issues, such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are the fathers of non-Catholic Christianity, did not rid the unbiblical practices they despised, but instead turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs. Secondly, natural reason. Well, if the Bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs, the very fact that such division prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed. And thirdly, the golden twins. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all Christian truth, doctrines, and beliefs. Remember, identical twins come from one egg. I actually was gone from the Catholic Church for 35 years. I want to get to heaven. I don't know if I will. I mean, I worry about it. But I not only want to get to heaven at the moment of my death, I want to find as much heaven as possible here on earth. So I need help 
I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Celebrating the culture of life. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Keep it tuned right here on KSHJ, Houston, Texas, 1430 AM. It's food for your immortal soul all day and all night. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. It is the Feast of Holy Father St. Dominic. I'm going to, before we jump into anything else, pray a prayer to St. Dominic. During this time, we definitely need salt of the earth. St. Dominic, who was the salt of the earth during his time, it's always good to pray to him, especially on his feast day, asking for renewed fervor in his order and in the whole world. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Oh, good Jesus, who didst delight to see St. Dominic kneeling every night before thine altar, adoring thee hidden in the blessed sacrament with a lively faith and offering in turns, groans, prayers, and penances in behalf of the church at that time persecuted by her enemies and profaned by her own children. Defend this thy spouse through the intercession of St. Dominic from the insults, plots of the infernal enemy of mankind. Pray for us, St. Dominic, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray, grant we beseech the Almighty God, that we who are weighed down by the burdens of our sins may be raised up by the patronage of a blessed Dominic, thy confessor, through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Joining us right now is Dave Palmer. Good morning to you, Dave Palmer. Good morning, Adrian Fonseca. How are you? Yeah, it's good to hear your voice. It's good to have you back on. It's been a while since we've seen you. Yeah, we've had, like you guys are having a lot of construction and changes at the studio there in Houston. We've also had a lot of flux in our Dallas-Fort Worth studio for GRN, and we've moved offices. And so the studio just hasn't been able to to have, you know, our, our regular Back to the Fathers show on Fridays up until today. And so we've had a little hiatus for about a month and a half or so. Praise be to God. Now, before we jump into our conversation, I know you want to talk about uh, Socrates a little bit, um, but... I just want to ask you about, um, do you have a devotion to St. Dominic? I know you have a devotion to St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, but what about to St. Dominic? Well, I have a devotion to the rosary, and of course there's a great connection between him and the rosary. Uh, but i, I got to admit, as far as him, a devotion to him and praying for his intercession and kind of knowing a lot about him and his life, i, I got to say I, I don't really have that, unfortunately. Well, I, here is uh, my uh, pitch to you to uh, create a devotion to St. Dominic. It'll help you uh, be a better Thomist, I would say, because uh, St. Thomas Aquinas was a great devotee to St. Dominic. And I believe it was, in fact, St. Dominic who said that, um, the, who coined the term, coined the phrase, that the Dominicans would be nailed to the wood of their desk. And I think that's mm. a very beautiful, beautiful idea. There's- there's a very active lay Dominican group here in North Texas, and I'm friends with a lot of them, and I've spoken, and I've been to some of their meetings, but I've never actually, uh, you know, become a lay Dominican. But I could definitely foresee that in my in my future. Well, there you go. There you go. Let's uh, pray for uh, Dave Palmer that he uh, fosters a 
great love for Holy Father Dominic. <laughs> now, Dave, uh, you're talking about Socrates. What's the plan for Back to the Father today? <clears throat> yeah, actually, we're going to switch gears a little bit today. There's, are, are you familiar with the Sophists? Yes, very um, much so. Very yeah, popular right now. Oh, yeah, exactly. In fact, uh, I'm a big fan of Dr. Peter Kreeft from Boston College. He's one of my favorite authors, and he says that probably the sophists have more influence in our culture today than any of the other philosophers. And the interesting thing is most people, including myself a month ago, uh, could not name a sophist. You know, uh, people like Protagoras and Gorgias. And, you know, we remember the people who speak truth, like Socrates and Plato and Aristotle and Aquinas. But the sophists are hugely influential in our culture today. Maybe we can get into that a little bit. But I also think that they are the ones who were the catalysts for people like Socrates because the, what they taught was so ridiculous kind of like what's being taught today, that it ushered in a counter-philosophical response from people like Socrates and Plato and Aristotle. And so ultimately, I think they served a good purpose. Dave, i, I got to admit, I've, I'm, I'm not really well-versed in philosophy, but uh, you kind of gave us a little hint there, and I, I have a hint as well, because, uh, you know, surely uh, you probably have listened to somebody say, well, that is just like the most sophistic thing I've ever heard. It's uh, absurd. So can you tell us a little bit more about what they believed? Yeah, the, the, you know, they'll, they'll say like, you know, that's a very uh, sophical argument or it's sophistry. You've heard of that. <laughs> yeah. You know? the, 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 the sophists were, and, and I, we'll get a lot more into it in the, the show today, but the early pre-Socratics, you know, who most people have not, you've heard of like Pythagoras, mostly because of his math, but not his philosophy. Pythagoras was a, a pre-Socratic, a guy, people like Thales of Miletus and, and, and Anaximander and Anaxagoras. And these pre-Socratics were known for kind of their cosmology, like looking at the world and trying to make sense of it and realizing that the world does make sense. And so they came to the conclusion that if the world makes sense and the world is ordered, there must be a corresponding moral order that goes along with it. Okay, so that's the background. And then along come the sophists, and basically they say, we disagree. We don't think there's order. We don't think there's objective truth. We think there's two good sides to every argument. Uh, Protagoras famously said, man is the measure of all things. Okay, so he was a relativist. He's like, you know, anything that comes to you as a disagreement, it's what you think. <laughs> it's what in you, your mind, not objective truth. Okay, does that sound familiar? <laughs> uh, Gorgias said, there's no truth. And even if there was, we couldn't come to know it. And even if we could come to know it, we couldn't like communicate it. <laughs> so uh, they're, they're classic relativists, classic, you know, we cannot know the truth. And like I said a moment ago, they were the ones that Socrates, if you read like Plato's dialogues, Socrates was constantly debating with the sophists. Now, it's interesting, Dave. Um, I'm thinking while you were saying that, the it's almost not correct to say that the sophists uh, are philosophers uh, because uh, you kind of look at the etymology of the words right and we would say plato and aristotle socrates were philosophers and philosophy philosophia refers to lovers of wisdom whereas the sophistia which is the, the sophist 
is possessors of wisdom. So it's interesting the claims that they make. The sophists claim to be, oh yeah, I have wisdom. I am the arbiter of wisdom. Whereas the philosopher is saying, oh, I don't know if I know, but I surely love it. I surely love the truth. I simply am searching out the truth. It's a very interesting little dichotomy. Have you thought about that? Yeah, yeah. Peter Crave talks about this. He says that philosophy is the, is the great conversation. You know, so I, I would somewhat disagree that I think everybody's a philosopher. If somebody says, you know, we, we don't know if there's a, a man or a woman or there's no objective truth, uh, yeah, they're, 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 they're seeking some kind of truth. Now, they're wrong, and it takes other people to step in and say, no, you're wrong. But I, I think what we're lacking today is just a good dialogue. I mean, that was the Socratic method. I mean, Socrates was famous for just digging and pushing and pushing and asking questions until we get to the truth. And I, I often refer to that, you know, Matt Walsh movie, you know, What is a Woman? He, he would have never had to put that movie out because it's really, when you think about it, it's, it's a ridiculous premise to even <laughs> ask that question. But the only reason he had to make that movie and the reason why it was so popular is because of sophistry. And the sophists, by the way, were known for their eloquence. Okay, they, they even said that. They, 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 they want to be able to persuade people with, you know, smooth words and a good command of the language. And so, again, it's, it's so prevalent today. It's what we're seeing today. And I think my opinion is the sophistry of today is going to usher in a great age of philosophy. And, of course, to follow will be theology as well. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you think about that, right? It is said that the uh, the sophist brought in this idea, these this Greek Renaissance by the reaction to it. So it's interesting to think about what that looks like today. And so, who would you identify today as the sophists that are uh, acting, that are in the public sphere? <laughs> I mean, take, take take your pick. I mean. It's uh, the, the the good thing, and again, I, I keep quoting uh, Dr. Peter Kraft, is that most of the philosophers of the last hundred years or so, mo most people don't even know their name. You know, we did a a program a, a month or so ago about uh, Jacques Derrida, right? The, the deconstructionism. Okay, most there's this analytic philosophy. Guys like Bertrand Russell, who was you know a, a popular philosopher of a hundred years ago or so, and uh, Ludwig Wittgenstein, who actually was kind of a mixed mixed bag, uh, A.J. Eiders, and again, um, Michel Foucault. And, and so, again, most listeners are like scratching their head. You know, I, I don't know if I've heard. Uh, Jean-Paul Sartre, um, uh, you know, is a, more, a little bit more famous, uh, who died back in 1980, and he was a you know famous existentialist. But almost, I think every single person I just mentioned was an atheist. Um, a, a lot of this bad philosophy, this sophistry, this lack of, like, even a realization that there is an objective truth and there's an order in the cosmos and that cosmos order relates to an ethical and moral order. When you throw that out, uh, philosophy just goes haywire. The, the train goes off the track, and that's what we've seen the last hundred years in philosophy. Now, what about St. Thomas's role in all of this? Ah, that, that's a great question. And that, that's really the, the thing that I am most interested in is if you look at the whole history of philosophy and you take the good and you, 
try to throw out the bad, what you, what you have, in my opinion, in the opinion of, of a lot of, uh, you know, uh, Christian philosophers, is that Aquinas created a synthesis of both, you know, our theological truths principally and what has been passed down by Scripture and the, the Holy Catholic Church, and then all the good stuff that came from the age of antiquity, from Socrates and Plato and Aristotle and the, some of the Stoics, and he put together this beautiful, beautiful system, which since then has just been little by little picked to pieces, you know, beginning with, you know, William of Ockham and nominalism and uh, uh, Rene Descartes, and of course, you name it, uh, Nietzsche, and all these other ones. So if you look at it, I think a lot of people would say, you know, the, the scholastics had a really good system. It wasn't perfect, but it was a really good ordered system that combined our experience of the world and then also our hope for a future uh, experience. And since then, it's, it's like I said, the train has just totally gone off the track. And that's why I think it's the role of philosophers and good people today to try to get the train back on the track. Amen. Amen. I, I think you're right. I think this, I, this going back to the scholastics as a whole, really, is something that will be very beneficial to society because we've not only lost Aquinas, but we lost the entire scholastic tradition, uh, which kind of has taken on a lot of the ideas that we see today in its earlier forms. And it would be beneficial for us if we didn't reject our history, but instead went and embraced it and built upon it, stand on the shoulders of giants, as it were. Now, we're running out of time here. Where can people tune in to Back to the Father and get connected with you, get your emails, all that jazz? Yeah, I think we're going to send out an email today. <laughs> people uh, haven't heard from us for a while, but if they want to get on the email and get reminders about the show, it's just back to the father at grnonline.com. The show is going to air only on the GRN social media sites, so Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, 1 o'clock Central today. We're also going to talk, and it's kind of related, St. Thomas Aquinas's opinion on whether the Eucharist should be given to public sinners. Mm. I did a YouTube video on that. That's, that's getting a lot of hits. But it's related because it's related to relativism and whether we should acknowledge objective truth. So we'll, 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 we'll cover a lot in an hour. Awesome. Awesome. Praise be to God. I uh, would love to hear it. I, I love personally, uh, the his article on whether or not public centers should be uh, given communion, because it gets into some very interesting questions. Like, here's a here's a teaser. Can, did our Lord give communion to Judas? And if he did, why or why not? St. Thomas answers that question. So make sure you tune in to Back to the Father, so that way you can get that answer, too. Uh, make sure you tune in. God bless you. God love you, Dave. Thanks a lot, Adrian. Good to, good to talk to you. Bye, Rose. Rudy. All right, so we're going to go into our Fear and Trembling Game Show, and you could join us. How do you do so? Make sure you call in 877-757-9424. That number, 877-757-9424. We're going into our game show, and you could be the winner because today's the day we give out the prize, and you could have three opportunities to win today. How do you do so? Pick up the phone, dial 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. Ninety-four twenty-four. We'll be right back right after this quick break. I'm going to give you that number one more time. 877-757-9424. Call now. We always take the first caller. We'll be right back with Fear and Trembling right after this. Hello. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. In your view, was the Virgin Mary simply an obedient woman who willingly gave biological and maternal matter to Jesus and therefore has been given undue adoration? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Virgin Mary is in the first book of the Bible, the last book of the Bible, all through the Gospels and close to 15 other typologies throughout Scripture. Secondly, the Ark of the Covenant. It was the most revered object in the history of the children of Israel. That ark carried the presence of God. Well, goodness, the Virgin Mary did not just carry the presence of God. She carried God himself. Thirdly, something to think on. If God is a father, he is, and we are known as his children, we are, and the body of Christ are called brothers and sisters, they are. Wouldn't God provide a mother for his church? He did. So here's an idea. Ask a wartime veteran who soldiers cry out for in a moment of fear. That's right, their mother. Mother Mary, pray for us. Ever feel like life's just too much? Maybe it's time for a change. God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace today, begin at catholicscomehome.com. I used to wonder if God really cared about me. Then I started praying and going to church. I realized that God in my life was the difference between occasionally being happy and finding lasting joy. If you're looking for something more, check out catholicscomehome.com. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes, and we give them out every Friday, which means today is a day we give out the prize. If you don't get on today, if you're not the first caller today, we'll make sure that you call in next week because we get all new prizes every single week. And so make sure you write that number down, 877-757-9424. You may be asking, what is going on here? What about prizes? Well, here's what's going on. We're playing the Fear and Trembling Game Show, and I have three Catholic trivia questions here. And the trick is, I'm not going to ask you the questions. You don't need to know anything about the Catholic faith to get the answer right, because I'm not asking you. I'm asking Rudy the questions. He's going to give me an answer. It's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. You have 15 seconds on the clock to give me an answer, and every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. The prize pack this week was generously donated by Visions of the Good Help. You can win a miraculous metal tote bag, a journal, it's a Marian journal, and other goodies. The prize was, again, sponsored by Theone Bell, who's an author here in Texas. She's a mother of three and uh, four in heaven, I believe. Let's see here. Um, she is the author of The Woman in the Trees, a novel based on America's first Marian apparition, which you could find on Tan Books. And uh, she is also uh, has an MA in international journalism. She teaches literature to a room full of exuberant grade schoolers at her co-op and recently wrote Glory Story number 18 on Our Lady of Champion with Holy Heroes. Now, if you don't know Holy Heroes and you have kids, I suggest you check them out. They are wonderful stories, uh, really down to earth for kids. So look out for her Glory Story number 18 coming out soon. Her picture book, Jellybean, is also going to be released 
through Holy Heroes. It's uh, written after she lost a baby to stillbirth and is a, a great way to approach that subject with other kids. Now, you can find out more about her at theonibell.com, or if you want to buy some of her wares, which are really wonderful, especially the stickers, you can go to Visions of the Good Help on Etsy. And we thank you, Theoni, so much for sponsoring our game show this week. Well, thank you. There you go. Praise be to God. Thank you very much for your generous donation, Theoni Bell. I am very grateful for that. And, um, you know, international journalist, that sounds pretty cool, especially since, you know, I consider myself an international journalist. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I went to uh, California to report <laughs> on the L.A. Dodgers thing, and uh, and therefore I'm an international journalist, right? Cause so true, King. California is not part of the U.S. <laughs> I'm kidding. from California, and I I'm came to joking. Texas. <laughs> joking. All right. Joining us right now, uh, who am I speaking with? This is Dana. 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 Good morning to yeah. you, Dana. Where are you calling in from? I'm from Ennis. Ennis, that's <laughs> right. This is uh, Dana. You've called in before, correct? It's been over, a little over a month. Oh, praise be to God. Praise be to God. It's good to hear your voice, Dana. Uh, well, God Thank bless you. you. Uh, where are you off to this morning? Uh, well, right now uh, I'm at home, but I am planning to go to the first Friday uh, Mass at noon today. Well, praise Beautiful. be to God. Praise be to God. Yeah. I plan to go to First Friday Mass at 7 p.m. I forgot to talk about First Friday all show long, so thank you very much for bringing it up. Um, it is, in fact, First Friday. Make sure to get to Mass. Uh, go to communion. Mm-hmm. Go receive confession. It's going to be a great time to make a reparation to our Lord. Right, Dana? Yes, and I'll, I'll be there tomorrow as well because I'm doing the the nine consecutives for the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and I'm doing what well, I usually just do. I just go on Saturdays if my brain reminds me. And uh, right now I'm been pretty good. I'm, this is this might be my third uh, Saturday. <laughs> Praise be to God! I think we're talking to a saint. I think so too because you know I I've never. Okay, so confession time. In the making. Before we jump into uh, to the game, I've never accomplished the nine first Saturdays. Me neither. Never. Tried. I tried failed. Every, I'll get to like number seven or number eight, and then something will happen. I can't make it. And I'm like, no! What if we had, uh, you know, those little punch cards where yeah. you get enough punches, you get a sandwich? That's what we need. Yeah, I don't you, know. you get nine punches, you get to heaven. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll do that and sponsor the game show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dana. Praise be to God. Are you ready to play the game? Yes. Let's jump into it. Rudy, question number one for you. Okay, I'm ready. Are you sure? Mm, well. Well, if you're not ready. I we'll, cannot tell a lie. If, if you're not ready, then we'll, we'll go into it later. Maybe, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay, okay. Tomorrow's broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> the question on the board. What is... The significance of the gospel statement that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Okay, the significance, this is the the ultimate punch-to-the-gut moment here, mm, mm-hmm. which should have been mm-hmm. to the Jews at the time. Mm. It links him to King David, and oh. it fulfills the prophecies that said that the Messiah was going to come through the lineage of David. And they were like, nah, <laughs> no. And so, uh, because of that, they missed out on Logos. You're trying to tell me... They missed out on the Word Became Flesh. You're trying to tell me that there is a link between Jesus and David. Believe it or not, the lineages in the Bible mean something. It's not just... uh, (laughs) 
you know, what? like a memorial plaque that people think it is. That yes. sounds fake. All something. right. Well, we're going to see if Dana b- believes this craziness, a link between David and Jesus. All right, Dana. 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, what is the significance of the gospel statement that Jesus was born in Bethlehem? Rudy seems to think that it links him to King David and fulfills the prophecies relating to the coming Messiah. What say you, Dana? Uh, I'm going to go with Rudy. She thinks you're right. Wow. She does think you're right. Well, we're going to find out whether or not that was a smart choice. It was, in fact... A smart choice to make. It's those infused graces from going to First Friday. I think that's what it was. First Saturdays. That's got to be what it is. For sure. So King David, do you know where he was born? Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. He was born in Bethlehem. So that's I think Dana's read her Bible. There. House of Bread. House so of many bread. little beautiful things in there. Isn't it so interesting to think God left Easter eggs in creation? Isn't yeah. that so strange? All right, Dana. Are you ready for question number two? Yes. Let's jump into it. Question number two for you. Oh, not for you, Dana. For, for Rudy. The question is, what idol was worshipped by the Hebrews while Moses was receiving the Ten Commandments? Dana, as a fellow Texan, you're going to know this, okay? And it's going to blow your mind. Mm, mm. You know that beaver that we worship here in Texas mm. by the name of Bucky? Oh, yes. Well, actually, they took that from the Bible <gasps> because the, the actual golden idol was a golden beaver. Whoa. And Moses was so upset that he killed everybody after. Wow. I mean, that's what should happen. Well, I did go to Bucky's the other day, and there was a giant bronze statue of Bucky right in the front. So Yeah, I mean, you can't put gold out, you know, because they would steal it. Bronze is close enough. Yeah. Wow. All right, Dana. 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, what idol was worshipped by the Hebrews while Moses was receiving the Ten Commandments? Rudy seems to think it was the beaver. A golden the beaver. Bucky himself. Whoa. Because oh. they bucked the commandments? <laughs> All right, Dana from Ennis, Texas. What say you? Is he right or is he trying to trick you? He's tricking me. <laughs> He's trying to trick you. Let's see if that is correct. It is, in fact, correct. The correct answer is, in fact, a golden calf. Um, not a golden bucky. I mean, golden uh, beaver. beaver. <laughs> but no, it's very good. Very good. That's a I'm good sorry, answer. sorry, Bucky's. Don't sue me. <laughs> right. please, I was joking. Please sponsor me. <laughs> All right, Dana. Uh, can are You've gotten two for two so far. Are you ready for question number three? Yes. All right, I got to tell you, this might be the hardest question we've ever had on the history of Catholic Drive Time. Are you ready? All right, we're going to come into it. Question number three. What scientific principle was discovered by the Austrian monk Gregor Mendel in his experiment with the peas? With peas? Not Not world peas. Just peas, like peas. The, the ones P-E-A-S. that we eat. Peas, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, if I remember correctly from middle school when I was learning about this, uh, he discovered heredity. He, uh, heredity. He, he discovered heredity through heredity. this experience, uh, experiment with peas. Wow, mm. am I having a stroke? Yeah, it yes, sounds like I it. I think I am. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, through this experiment. Like yes. Yeah, with a G, not a J. Yeah, not the ones you shouldn't wear to mask. But right. Yeah. 
Jeans. Got it. G E E. Understood. G E N E S. You are a finished stroke. <laughs> Man, help me. This is a cry for help. Hey, you know, it's Friday. <laughs> All right, Dana, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is. What scientific principle was discovered by Austrian monk Gregor Mendel in his experiment with the peas? Well, Rudy seems to think it's heredity, um, which, you know, associates with genes, G-E, not the J-E. Uh, what say you, Dana, from Ennis, Texas? I'm going to go with Rudy. She's going to go with Rudy. We're going to find out whether that's correct. And it is, in fact, correct. Dana. Praise be to God, Dana. Now, stay on the line. I'm shuffling. Because right now, right now uh, Rudy is. You never know. Every Friday he's shuffling. <laughs> um, and he is uh, going to draw a name. So let's have a drum roll, please. Oh, and it slipped out of my hands. Oh, okay. Oh, try again. That wasn't the right one. God's oh, will wasn't for that one. Two. Oh, yeah. Two. Drop one of those. A or B? Uh, B. Okay, B it is. All right. Cindy! Cindy! Praise be to God, Cindy. Cindy Krasinski. I am sorry, Dana. Your name was not drawn today. Uh, maybe next time you call in, it'll be your chance to win. But for today, it was not God's holy will. Uh, but God bless you, Dana. Thank you for calling in. Yes, no problem. I enjoyed it. Well, praise be to God. And make sure that you say a little prayer for us at Holy Mass today. We'll be definitely praying for you. All righty. Thank you. All right. God bless you. And that's going to do it for the... I was going to say the first hour, but no, that's going to do it for the radio side of Catholic Drive Time. If you want to join us in the after show, well, you surely can. But how do you do so? Hop on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, Twitter, any of those platforms. You can join us and interact with us directly. Leave a comment down below. We'd love to get your feedback and talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. I'm thinking we talk about um, the battle between being a uh, a member of the Kingdom of Adrian and the and being a Rudolphite. Redolfus. And so we're going to talk about that coming up in the after show. Plus, more St. Dominic. I'm sure I'm going to talk about more about St. Dominic. But if not, we'll see you back Monday morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. All right. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. From Our Lady of Corpus Christi, home of the soul community. For more info, go to salt.net or ourladyofcorpuschristi.org. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. John Vianney, patron of all priests. We offer this Holy Sacrifice of the Mass for all of our online viewers and all those listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network. There's a wideness in God's mercy like the wideness of the sea. 
There's a kindness in his justice, which is more than liberty. There is plentiful redemption in the blood that has been shed. There is joy for all the members in the sorrows of the head. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, of a virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, who made the priest St. John Vianney wonderful in his pastoral zeal, grant, we pray, that through his intercession and example, we may in charity win brothers and sisters for Christ and attain with them eternal glory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. A reading from the Holy a reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, I have appointed you, I have appointed you a watchman for the house of Israel. When you hear a word from my mouth, you shall warn them for me. If I say to the wicked man, you shall surely die, and you do not warn him or speak out, to dissuade him from his wicked conduct, so that he may live. The wicked man shall die for his sins, but I will hold you responsible for his death. If, on the other hand, you have warned the wicked man, yet he has not turned away from his evil, nor from the wicked conduct, then he shall die for his sin, but you shall save your life. If a virtuous man turns away from virtue and does wrong, when I place a stumbling block before him, he shall die. He shall die for his sin, and his virtuous deed shall not be remembered. But I will hold you responsible for his death if you do not warn him. When, on the other hand, you have warned a virtuous man not to sin, and he has in fact not sinned, he shall surely live because of the warning, and you shall save your own life. The word of the Lord. 
responsorial psalm. Go out to all the world and tell the good news. And tell the good news. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Glorify him, all you peoples. Go out to the world and tell the good news. For steadfast is his kindness towards us, and the fidelity of the Lord endures forever. Go out to the world and tell the good news. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. The Lord sent me to bring glad tidings to the poor and to proclaim liberty to captives. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus went around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the kingdom of God and curing every disease and illness. At the sight of the crowds, his heart was moved with pity for them, because they were troubled and abandoned, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Then he summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to cure every disease and every illness. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In his words to the young people of the world, the Catholics gathered with him in Lisbon, Pope Francis said something very interesting. I think it's worth, it's what the Word of God is saying to us today. He said, do not proclaim the gospel of sin before proclaiming the gospel of love. And, you know, as a priest, I was taught this really basic thing, and I wish I could teach it. I mean, I have taught uh, homiletics and preaching to uh, newly ordained deacons, and this is one of the things that, that, they are, that we teach them, is that you have to make every homily, every encounter, with people about the kerygma. Kerygma is the Greek proclamation which means seed, kernel, or core. That is, Jesus loves you. God loves you. Jesus died for your sins and rose. If you are not preaching that and instead you're talking to all about sin and saying this and that and the other, um, people will definitely react. I have had myself, I've followed this one principle, and it's a little, little known fact. Like if, you, if you really proclaim the gospel of love very forcefully and very strongly, and you give examples that are kind of heart-melting, after that, you have them with their ears opened. After that, then, once you introduce Jesus to them, then you can say, well, this is what Jesus saves you from. 
after the fact you say Jesus saved me from uh, contraception or abortion or same-sex attraction or he saved me from all of these other things that may or maybe be difficult ordinarily to talk about but once you first establish the authority of God in love then when you can that's after that that's when you can do that it is a, a failure and it is a, a a mistake to moralize with people do not moralize you are not the moral police officer don't make it about the moral issue or worse political issue you clothe your religion as a political issue it's it's going to fail because you're not representing Jesus Jesus is first and foremost about saving a person's soul and, and for myself what happens for me is very frequently somebody will be moved by preaching and then preaching the love of God and then once they get into the confessional and we're talking about okay let's clean you up well particularly let's talk about getting cleaned up what particular sins are we talking to and I'll, I'll walk them through sins and once in a while some will say will completely disagree and they're like absolutely not I disagree that's not a sin and I'm like well it's the Ten Commandments it's the teaching of Christ it's the church's law it's, it's there and they'll say that and I'll say I'm a, very rarely I have, don't do this very often I will invoke one principle and the principle is this I have to give an account for your soul before God and I'm saying this not as some kind of person who has an opinion or a preference but I'm telling you I have to meet Jesus on your behalf and I have to tell you that such and such is a sin usually it's their attachment to sin like their extramarital affair or something they just don't it's very hard for them to break from or very they're very attached to their sin and they think that their sin is so important and you know something like that that's hard to for them to break and I'll say the forcefulness of that and say I have to give an account for your soul and as that accounting that is a sin and you have to repent of it and I've never had that not work I've, that always has been something where they say okay then okay okay uncle uncle you know where they, <laughs> where that's got to be something that they say okay I, I get it you're you're not speaking on your own behalf you're speaking on the, on the behalf of another and that's God and eventually that person is you know they're able to repent of it but it, the conversation should never start there you don't go to Thanksgiving dinner and you haven't seen your relatives forever and say oh I have to tell you on behalf of Jesus you're all sinners that's not how it works that's not how that sin of omission works it's you aren't the only person the only arbiter of truth in their life you have to know timing and tact Americans are pretty bad at tact I have to say there's you know like people who are have come from much more subtle cultures are a lot better at that and have a lot more finesse to know when is the right time to say something and there is a really important thing about tact and that's one thing I like about the portrayal there's some problematic things about it but the portrayal of Jesus on the chosen that's the number one thing I love in fact I remember actually got up from my chair when he exercised extraordinary tact of knowing what is the right timing of saying you're in sin it's beautiful and, and that first and foremost you have to show them the love of God and the love of God present by you willing to sit with them and walk through that forest with them walk through that swamp 
of their sinfulness with them and say, I'm not leaving you. I'm not going to run the other way just because you, did, you told me you do this or that. Exactly the opposite. And that's what the church needs to do as well. When, someone, when the church finds that somebody is in sin, to walk closer to them, not further away. This is especially true for people who feel very, very downcast, like people who are recently divorced, people who are single moms. They, they can feel very lonely and very vilified and by, by people. And they need, the church has to walk, has to give them extra special attention and say, Jesus really loves you and he's going to help clean up your life. Don't, he's, the church is going to depart from you. You know, and th that's especially people who have, uh, you know, transgender uh, dysphoria. They need Jesus. Bad. Worse than someone who doesn't have that confusion. And so you have to overcome whatever, you know, is keeping you from walking with them and say, I love you and so does Jesus. Jesus died for you and so would I. That kind of proclamation is the only, is the love that they're looking for that probably is the absence that causes such confusion. So you see what I did there? I t finally talked about transgenderism at the end of the homily because I've been talking about love, love, love. That's what you can get away with. That's why you can talk about those kinds of things. Because you're talking about love, that gives you the authority to talk about other things. So let us pray today in the Feast of St. John Vianney and ask him to intercede for us and to give us holy priests, but also holy people to proclaim the gospel in season and out of season and the holy love of God. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, that the church may shine forth with the holiness of Jesus Christ. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, gathered with young people for World Youth Day, that they may be sanctified and be reminded of their vocation of gospel holiness. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for our government leaders, that they may not be an obstacle to following the, the law of God written on every human heart. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor. We pray to the Lord. And we pray for all of our beloved dead, that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. We pray to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we ask you to hear us, for make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ, and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary's, we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. before you, how we love you. Jesus, we adore you. Lay our lives before you, how we love you. Spirit, we adore you. 
lay our lives before you, how we love you. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, far good and good of all his holy church. Receive, O Lord, we pray, the offerings placed on your altar in commemoration of St. John Vianney, so that as you brought him glory, you may through these sacred mysteries grant us your pardon through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For as on the festival of St. John Vianney, you bid your church rejoice, so too you strengthen her by the example of his holy life. Teach her by his words of preaching and keep her safe in answer to his prayers. And so with the company of angels and saints, we sing the hymn of your praise, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, Que venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna, in you are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. 
welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be coerced to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Praceptis salutare bus moniti, et divin institutioni formati, audehimus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuhur nomen tuhum, adveniat regnum tuhum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis hodie, et emite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, and by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Agnus Dei, vitolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, vitolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Blessed is the servant whom the Lord finds watching when he comes. Amen, I say to you, he will put that servant in charge of all of his property. Active Spiritual Communion My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
Jesus, my Lord, my God, my heart, how can I love thee as I have? And how revere this wondrous gift, so far surpassing hope or thought. Sweet sacrament we thee adore, O make us love thee more and more. O make us love thee more and more. Had I but Mary's sinless heart, with which to love the dearest King. Oh, with what purse of fervent praise, Thy goodness, Jesus, would I sing. Sweet sacrament we Thee adore, Oh, make us love Thee more and more. Oh, make us love thee more and more. Let us pray. May partaking at the heavenly table, Almighty God, confirm and increase strength from on high in all who celebrate the feast day of St. John Vianney, that we may persevere in integrity the gift of faith and walk in the path of salvation you trace for us. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in the peace of Christ. Immaculate Mary, your praises we sing. You reign now in splendor with Jesus our King. Ave, Ave, Ave Maria. Ave, Ave Maria. In heaven the blessed thy glory proclaim. On earth we thy children invoke thy sweet name. Ave, ave. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. 
from every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, my name is John Henry from St. John Vianney Catholic Church, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. <laughs> 